This program is brought to you by The Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. He worked all his life trying to build a paradise five years. He went down the grave five years, all gone. In fact, Solomon builds the temple and he builds his palace. There's not one stone remaining on top of another. Please let this humble you. Let this be a sobering reality. You might feel like a rock star right now. You might feel like you have your life figured out. You might be on a path of success. Five years. That's all it took. The paradise you're building, five years. It's gone. You see, the best way to put it in, in, a, in, a, in an illustration is, in this life, if you're not careful, you're building a bubble for you to live in. And you bring people in this bubble who will boost your ego. And one day, that bubble will pop. For some of us, it's not even going to take five years. It's going to take one bad news. It's going to take two weeks. It's going to take one loss of a job. It's going to take one fight in your marriage. I don't know what it is, this bubble you're trying to build, this paradise you're trying to build for yourself, thinking that this is where my purpose and meaning will lie. Folks, one of, the, one of the biggest struggles of preaching sermons like this is, especially to Christians, is oftentimes we're very prideful. We say amen, amen to this, but we never repent when God brings the realities of the idols that we built for ourselves. I need to be careful that I don't try to build a bubble of success for myself based on my calling, because the calling is good. The pleasures of God that God gives us, the blessings are good, but that cannot become my paradise that cannot become my source of meaning and what kills my my struggles with the reality of this life i really hope you're tracking with me um let's continue on verse 17 this is solomon man this is really sad he's unable to get through reasoning why in the world can't i build a paradise and keep it if pursuing pleasure is meaningless and a permanent problem solomon's wondering what do i do verse 17 it says, so I hated life. I hated life. Hey, I really hope you're able to track with me through all this because this can be, this is not just a, a flowing narrative. It's really hard to track. Uh, I don't want this to become so philosophical, but please let me talk to you. Maybe you're sitting in your living room right now and you're hating life. You're done with life. You know, there, there are different people that respond differently to the, the paradise that they try to build. Some of us, we run away into fantasy whether it be gaming, whether it be novels, whether it be movies, whether it be art or music, we like to run away into a fantasy to try to create a paradise. Ultimately, you will come to where Solomon came. He hated life. Some of us, we spiritualize everything. Hey, don't leave me hanging, man. We're like, hey, you know what? I will preach the gospel. I will be a martyr for Christ. I will do all the social work that I have to do. I'll take care of the poor. You're going to hate life because that cannot be your paradise. You might think that I'm going to really get my, 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 um, my calling, my talents. I'm going to build my talents up. I'm going to be good for Jesus. And even that will leave you hanging. See, how, how many pastors kill themselves? Man, when we talk about people in Hollywood that commit suicide, how many pastors kill themselves? Maybe they don't go hang themselves or shoot themselves. How many of them kill themselves by cheating on their spouse and walking away from their family? Because all of those things cannot build a paradise for you on this earth. Do you get it? Okay, I heard that resounding amen. Good. Solomon, he tries to do all of this and it says that he hated life. 
because what's done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and striving after the wind. He says, I hated my toil. I hated my work in which I work under the sun. Pastors, if you're listening to me, I want to talk to you real quick. I know a lot of side notes, but I want to talk to you. I've been praying for you this week. I know that there are many pastors who jump in and watching other people's churches' sermons, and I wanted, I'm so glad that you joined us. If you're a person in ministry, I want to talk to you. There are going to be times in your life when you're going to hate your ministry, when you're going to hate having to preach God's word. It's because you're making this your paradise, and you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. You made your calling your paradise. You made your talents your paradise. Solomon sure was a gifted man, was a wise man, and he hated the work that God had blessed him with. Why? Because he made the work his worship and not God that blessed him with the work. I hated my work in which I worked under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool. Yet he'll be master of all of which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. Solomon has come to the conclusion that hard work and well-earned wealth does not create a paradise. Maybe you're not a pastor, maybe you're not a missionary, maybe you're not a guy in ministry, but I want to challenge you has work gotten in the way of the blessings and pleasure that God's blessed you with? You know, personal confession over here. There are many times I sit at the table and instead of thanking God for my wife who's cooked that meal and having a conversation with her or my children, I'm on my phone and I am talking to people that I don't even know. I mean, it's all good things. I'm like, I'm praying for you. I'm glad you were blessed by this. And, and, and here are people who are draining my life instead of me actually being thankful for the blessing that, and the pleasure and the paradise that God's created for me. Has workaholic you know, attributes in your life, has, has, has work, maybe I'll put it that way, has work gotten in the way of the paradise that God has actually created for you, the blessing that God's given you? Has work gotten in the way? Many people that I have known, and I've, I fall into this category many times, I put work before family. I put work before friends. I put work before God many times. And if you're trying to do that, man, it's because you're trying to build a paradise for yourself. We need to repent from that. And once again, I think that this season we're going through where you're in quarantine is God's way of holding a mirror and showing you all the paradise that you're trying to build for yourself. Anyways, let's move on. Verse 20, So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair. So first he hates life and now he's depressed. Despair over all the work of my, of my labors under the sun. Because sometime a person who has worked with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did no work for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What is a man from all the work and striving of heart with which he works beneath the sun? What's he going to gain from all of this is what he's asking. He says, For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where you're stressed about work. You're stressed about deadlines. You're stressed about a pay raise. You're stressed about the interview. You're stressed about the promotion. You're stressed about everything and you're unable to sleep at night. I'm stressed about the message. I'm stressed about the people. I'm stressed about what people will think. I'm stressed about how we're going to do this, what we're going to buy, and will we be able to buy. We're stressed about this. And he says, and all of that is meaningless. That's because you're trying to create a paradise for yourself. And these are the words of a depressed man. And if you are able to repeat these words, those are words of a depressed man who's realized that he can work 
all his life, with all his strength, with all, all his ability, and in the end, say, it was just meaningless. As Solomon thinks of his end, when he thinks about how it's all going to end and who's going to come after him, it seems like there's where he finds true perspective. Okay, we're getting to the meat of the stuff now and our last point. You see, death really is the great equalizer. When you actually have the end in mind, it will help you to realize the paradise in the now. Or to use the language of the now and the not yet. When you have the end in mind, it helps you to appreciate the paradise in the not yet we're living in now. Go back and listen to that. It might make sense to you. Death, this is number three. Death puts paradise in perspective. When the reality hits that all that we do, collect or gain, is going to be left for someone else, this earth's promise of paradise is not as enticing as it once was. But on the other hand, when you realize that you have everything to gain in Jesus, death doesn't look that scary. Death puts paradise in perspective. You know, um, let me give you an illustration. This thing keeps falling out of my pocket. It's crazy. Jeans are too tight. That's the problem. No. <laughs> Keep death in perspective. No. <laughs> you know, if there were two people working at a job, okay, same job, same hours, one guy gets paid, you know, let's say $50 a week, okay? The other guy gets paid $5,000 a week, okay? You heard me right. One guy gets paid $50 a week. The other guy gets paid $5,000 a week. Who do you think enjoys his job more? Help me out. The first guy or the second guy? Clearly the second guy, right? Why? Because he has the end in mind. He knows that, ka-ching, $5,000, baby. You know, I, I will do measly tasks. I don't care. I'll, I'll put boxes up on the shelf. The guy that's working for $50, his back hurts, his grandma died, and he needs to take his dog to the vet. He's finding all excuses to stay away from coming to work. But the other guy who's getting 5000 bucks a, a week, he gladly shows up to work. He's whistling while he works, man. He doesn't even care if he gets a lunch break or not. Why is that? It's because he has the end in perspective. When you have the end in perspective, when you have death in perspective, which is all of our ends here on this earth, it helps you realize the paradise that God has put us in. Okay, Let's start bringing this thing to a close in the way uh, Solomon puts it. Verse 24, so far, so far in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's not one mention of God. And finally, Solomon mentions God. Verse 24, there's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? You see what he's saying is, we work so hard so we can get a lot of money so we can eat good food. But he says, listen man, God blesses us with food and that's his way of helping us have a taste of paradise here on this earth. God gives us laughter and that's one way that we get to experience paradise here on this earth. Food is not so that we can get energy to go build a paradise for ourselves. Food is for us to re realize that, man, there is a God who loves us and he has created taste buds in our tongues for us to have pleasure with taste. He's created, you know, a body to take in the energy of food so we can eat food and rejoice and enjoy the creation that God's given us while we go for a hike, while we go for a run, not like the track runner from last week. That guy is just crazy. Okay? And he says, there's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. What we're going through now is really our bricks of paradise that's being tested with death being a bigger reality than it once was, isn't it?
death is a much bigger reality than it was three months ago to us. And what God is really doing, I believe, is showing us the bricks that we've gathered and built and saved up to build our paradise. We finally, <clears throat> in every tangible way, recognize that food, drink, and joy, it comes from God. It's, it's very interesting how uh, this can really change the most simplest things that we often overlook. While you have your lunch today, man, thank God for this food, man. Thank God for the taste. Thank God for beef that tastes so good, right? That other people in other countries can't get their hands on. Eat joyfully, drink responsibly, and rejoice recognizing that God is the giver and creator of pleasure. Verse 26, for the one who pleases him, God has given. Who gives? God is the one who gives. God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and striving after wind. What he's saying is, a person that doesn't recognize God's hand in, in, in the blessings that God's given us for you to find enjoyment in this life, you're going to strive and work so hard and then it's going to go to the guy that's actually pleasing and loving God. It's just going to fall right into his lap. It's God who gives pleasure. He created it. He has the right context for it. You see, oftentimes, we take the pleasures that we feel and we write our own context in how we want to indulge in that pleasure. But the paradise that God has for us here and now is for us to realize that in the pleasure that He's created us with and, 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 and the, with the pleasure that He's created us with, He also has a plan for the pleasure to be realized here on this earth whether it be a physical pleasure of intimacy, whether it be for taste, whether it be for laughter, whether it be for thrills, it's God who created our desire for pleasure. And along with the plans that He has for you, He's also planned in this, all of these pleasures to be felt here on this earth, but in His context and in His time. But what we do is we try to build our own paradise to fulfill these pleasures in our context, in our times. And that's why we have premarital sex. That's why we have people running after, you know, food that's unhealthy or running after a lifestyle that's not pleasing to God because they're trying to fulfill pleasure in their context, in their way. So Solomon, he says, I've realized finally that it's God who gives wisdom and knowledge and it's God who gives pleasure. It's God who gives pleasure in food. It's God who gives pleasure in joy. It's God who gives pleasure in drink. It all comes from God. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.